Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm Rachel Schmitz, joined by my co-host, Mike Schmitz. Oh, hey. Hi. (laughs) How's it going? Oh, good. How are you? Pretty great. Good. Ready to talk about more core values. Yes. Excited to continue the conversation from last time on family core values. And so just to start, we're going to recap a little bit on what family core values are. They're basically guiding principles for your family. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you ours right now. Number one, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number two, give selflessly by finding the need and meeting it. Number three, lead courageously and always stand for the truth. Number four, impact the culture and leave your own legacy. Number five, determine to be different and don't settle for average. And at the bottom of our family core values, we have, you're a Schmitz, be a leader. (laughs) Yep, I like it. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, just to get you started with that, we encourage you to brainstorm what's most important to you. And then articulate as well what kinds of adults you want your children to grow to become. So as a quick example, our desired outcome is to have an awesome marriage where we put each other first and have an awesome relationship with each of our children where we have a platform to speak into their lives and they feel comfortable talking to us about anything. And what we want to develop in our kids is a love for lifelong learning through a growth mindset the ability to be empathetic and see other people, the confidence to be successful in whatever they choose to do, the ability to be comfortable in their own skin. So to break that down, I wanted my husband, who has recently learned a lot about habits, to yes, share yeah, to share what, what habits are and why they're so important in reaching where you want to be. So let me just preface this by saying that I actually just finished production of a course on habits, which is for sale on the Sweet Setup. So if you are interested in the course, you can go to thesweetsetup.com slash habits. The course is called Simple Habits. And that is the first element I think that's important when talking about habits is to keep it simple or to keep it tiny. Uh, I want to throw out a couple of resources here because I've been studying this for several years now at this point, And this is in order of uh, importance, I guess, or my recommended order. If you're only going to get one book on the topic of habits, it would be the one that I most recently finished, and that is Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg. Very good. Yeah, Rachel is reading it. We just covered it for Bookworm. And this one explains habits in a way that it's not super complicated, but it's all like formula based and there's lots of graphs and things and it makes it easy to see like, oh, this is why that thing happens all the time. Whereas a lot of the other books that I've read on habits, you either follow through with the activity you want to do or stop doing the thing that you don't want to do or you don't, you know, you either have the desired, the desired action or the undesired action. And if it's undesired action, you're left like beating yourself up thinking that you're not good enough. You don't have enough willpower. There must be something wrong with you, et cetera. And that's not <laughs> that's not the case. Uh, so Tiny Habits kind of explains why that is. Uh, I will throw out two other books here uh, just real quickly. Atomic Habits by James Clear is also very good. But I feel like Tiny Habits, for the people who really want to understand what's going on, explains it a little bit more fully. And in fact, in uh, Atomic Habits, James talks about B.J. Fogg being the guy who did a lot of this research. 
And the other one, which is probably the most popular one, and I call it out here just to kind of say stay away from this one because <laughs> I don't really like it all that much. That's The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. That's the one with the popular Q routine reward loop that most people have seen, but I personally have some some issues with. So uh, you want to just chime in with your impression of, uh, of Tiny Habits? I know you're not finished with it yet, but you've made some pretty good progress in it. Yeah, it's first of all, very easy to read, which, you know, sometimes those kind of books can be uninteresting or possibly dry. But this book is very, very easy to understand. There's a lot of examples, a lot of stories, and there's a lot of graphics in it that for me, the visual learner, it's really helpful to solidify a lot of the principles in, about it. And it's helped me to understand greater why I have certain habits that have stuck for so long and why others haven't. And tips and tricks to actually redefine how I approach trying to establish a new habit in my life. So I highly recommend it already. And I'm only, I'm not quite halfway through. <laughs> Excellent. So the core piece of that book is called the Fog Behavioral Model, and it has this graph that you might see in something like an economics class, where on the y-axis, so from top to bottom, is the motivation, and from left to right is the ability. Now, the formula here is that behavior, or B, equals motivation times ability times prompts, or MAP. The prompt is the Q. And that is going to occur at some point on the graph. But basically, there's this, this curved line that divides the graph into below and to the left of the line. That is where you do not follow through with the action that you want to do. And above and to the right, that's where you do take action. So that is actually called the action line. And this is really simple. When you have enough ability and you have enough motivation, you take action. And if you have a lot of ability, then not as much motivation is required. If you have a lot of motivation, not a lot of ability is required. Why is this important and how does it pertain to core values? Well, when it comes to doing things that you want to do, that you say are important to you, the typical pattern is that people get super excited about something at the beginning. Their motivation is high. They do it a couple of times, but then it's still difficult and the motivation is a fickle thing. So it's going to go down. And when it goes down, then you're not going to follow through with the habit and it's not going to, to happen. Now, the more that you do something over and over again, the easier it gets, the more you develop your ability. It's kind of like practicing the type of person that you want to become. Where core values can help is in the establishment of these habits or these routines, because what they do by giving you the signpost to make sure that you're moving in the right direction, they are indicating that, yes, this action that I'm thinking about doing, this is in line with the type of person that I want to become or what I want my family to look like. And what that immediately does is give you a big boost in motivation. So if you, but it's got to be authentic. We talked about that in the last episode. You can't pick aspirational core values. You can't pick something because it sounds good or because somebody else does it. You got to believe it in your heart of hearts that this is something that is important to me. This is who I want to become, not just because it looks good, but it's because it's who I am. It's imprinted in the fabric of my being. It's in my DNA. Now, the more that you follow through and you do actions that are in line with your core values, the more you identify and align with that identity. So just as an example from the James Clear book, he talks about what does a writer do? They write. So 
If you want to become a writer, you show up and you write every day. It doesn't matter how long you write. You don't have to write a page. You don't have to write a chapter. You could write for two minutes. You could write one sentence. And that would be you casting your vote for that day for the type of person that you want to become, even if you have never written anything before. And that is very important when it comes to reinforcing these core values too, because the more that you follow through with these, the more you reinforce the core values, the more you look at the core values, the more motivation you have to reinforce the activities. And this is a positive reinforcement loop now. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you. So what we did a little bit in the last episode was break down our core values and then look at habits, regular recurring events that we could establish as a family that would help us achieve those family core values. Because left up to themselves on a wall, it's not going to do anything. We have to actually take action to intentionally get there. Part two would be breaking down the values into routine activities um, to put them into practice. And whatever we decide to do as a family must be in line with our core values. So coming up with a plan to build each value into our regular habits this is what makes it become a part of our daily life, a part of our DNA. And this is what defines us and gets us to our desired destination. Yeah. And it's not something necessarily like you have to have a habit that identifies with each core value. Some of these things, really what you want the core values to do is to determine your actions. Right. We talked in the last episode about how the core values are kind of a filter and what we say yes to has to be in line with these core values. So not to go over everything, but like the very first core value, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is embodied for us because we are, when we're not in a quarantine, (laughs) we're at church almost every single day with the different things that we're involved with. Now you could look at that and say, you're involved with too much. And if you didn't have our core values, you would probably be right. But that is our first core value. So where we spend our time that in essence is how we are investing the talents that have been entrusted to us and they better line up with our core values. If how we spend our time, how we spend our money does not line up with our core values, then we are living a life that is inconsistent with our beliefs. We are not being authentic and we are going to feel frustrated. Definitely. And a lot of this is, it's a mindset. So the more that we Uh, pattern our lives, our actions to reflect who we truly are, who we are and our core values, then it's more of a natural byproduct of how we live. Um, I could give an example from this week from our number two, give selflessly by finding the need and meeting it. We had a family that stopped by this week. They gave our oldest a little gift because he's entering the youth group now, which is very exciting. So he's going into seventh grade. And they have two little boys, and the one was, you know, riding our smallest training wheel bike, and it's too small for our youngest son anymore. And he goes, well, you know, he could just keep that. It's okay. Like, it fits him, and I don't fit, it doesn't fit me anymore. But that was, it was just really neat to see him. That's a big deal for Malachi, because he tends to hold on to everything, Everything. because it has sentimental value. (laughs) He's a hoarder. (laughs) Yes, but he saw a need in his little friend who was smaller than him and he met it and he gave him a bike, his old bike and his helmet and it was just really sweet. So what has cultivated that is having that mindset um, ingrained in each and every one of us by um, 
basically planning and designing our life around who we truly are. And that's not to say we do that with everything and we have this down pat by no means. That's just a simple example of something that is part of our lives that we've fostered over several years. And it was cool to see because right after that happened, we had a children's church thing. And part of that, part of what they do is they give away these prizes every week. And there's a couple of kids who, who win the prizes. Malachi won the prize that week. Yeah. So it is firmly imprinted in his little brain now to be generous because the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Yes, yes. <laughs> the more he, you give away, the more there's room for something new. And so I firmly believe that that, will be the first thing he thinks of next time he has an opportunity to to give like that. And it's encouraging to us as parents because it's reinforcing that core value. Definitely. Yeah. Another little, a little uh, funny thing about our children is that they think it's cool to be a nerd when they, when people say that term, because it just means you're really good at something you're like really all in, you know, a lot about it. So it's not a, it's not a derogatory term. <laughs> I, I taught this to them because I did some research uh, a while back on the word for geek. And to be a geek is actually comes from the, the circus. And it was originally used to describe somebody who did like an amazing feat. And so the geeks were the people who could do cool stuff. And so you extend that a little bit farther to, to nerd. And really like the reason I was communicating it to my kids in the first place. I didn't really think it would stick the way it has, but it's in line with the core values again. So that's awesome. But it was like, why do you want everybody to like you anyways? Why do you want to be like everything that you see out in the rest of the world? Maybe there's a better way to do stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's cool that they've attached to that and they don't just accept the status quo. Again, it's in line with the core values, but that's the inspiration behind that. And then you have the opportunity to, to live that out. Once you identify your core values, you'll see you have a lot of opportunities to either reinforce them or to tear them down by how you act. That is so true. Well, another step I wanted to take today was to go into more detail in each of the specific things that we do that are in line with our core values that we do as a family. We touched on them briefly last time, and then we also touched on how that is so different right now in the last time of staying in at home and quarantining and all that crazy stuff. And so I thought it'd be really helpful if we went through more in detail. We have the why, when, and what, and even a budget on a lot of these items. Yep. So yes, just to give you more specifics on what this looks like. So just to go back slightly, um, what we did... From In the last episode, we talked about this. We went away for our overnight. We identified our core values. We identified the types of the type of family we wanted to, to have. And then we identified the activities, the habits that we needed to do, and the regularity of those things in order to make that happen. Now, just saying we want to have a date night, we want to have a family meeting, we want to have an overnight, like that doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> So that's where we broke this down even further. And essentially, this is just budgeting. And this is a whole separate topic. But when a lot of people think of budgeting, they think of money. And the principle there is that what if you don't budget, they tell you if you, if you just wait till the end of the month to set aside money for savings, you won't have any left for savings because what doesn't get budgeted gets wasted. Okay, well, that principle applies to your time oh, as yes, well. Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, you know, there's a Even saying, more so. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a saying that time is money. I mean, you can always make more money. You can never make more time. 
So this is really important. And these questions that we ask here, you can ask your own questions, but the whole goal of this is to figure out how we can intentionally make this thing happen. And even though we have all of this information associated with each of these things, it doesn't mean it's perfect, but it does significantly increase the chances that it's going to follow through. So we don't hit on this 100% of the time, but just identifying this stuff and identifying the details that we need to follow through on in order to make it happen means that for the most part it does. Yeah, definitely. Well, one of the things we have here that we have kind of alluded to possibly taking a full episode to go over, but we'll see. We will. Um, the next one. <laughs> um, but just to go over it really briefly right now, the family meeting, it's uh, weekly. And what we go over is a budget, calendar, meal planning, and gratitude. And then there's no designated budget, like monetary budget for this because it's a conversation. And we incorporate this into our Tuesday date nights where we take just like 20, 30 minutes and talk about these things. Sometimes it takes a little bit more if we have more issues to talk about. It gets really heated. Well, no, it really usually doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but why do we do this? It's just basically to make sure we're in agreement and we don't accidentally end up pulling in opposite directions, which, you know, that happens by default. It does. So making everything we do as a family harder than it needs to be by not communicating. So this is to combat that and actually communicate intentionally. Yep. And then the next one is the date night. Uh, I'll just run through the why, when, what budget here. Uh, why do we want a date night every week? To make sure we prioritize each other. We sew into each other. We have a strong marriage. When are we going to do this? We're going to do it weekly on Tuesday nights. What are we going to do? We're going to have time to do our family meeting, preferably at the beginning, plus something fun like going out to eat, going for a walk, etc. And usually this is us going to one of a handful of restaurants. We tend to have our favorites, yep. <laughs> which I miss Zacatecas, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, I miss date night. The other night I was like, I gave Mike a big hug. I'm like, I want to go on a date soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, you don't realize how much you appreciate certain things until you have to go without it for quite a long time. Yep. We've had some times where we've done a date night at home and the kids have, we've either put the little ones to bed early or we've had our oldest son keep an eye on the other ones. Um, so it's, it, those are nice. It's not the same. Not though. the same. No. <laughs> like, can we go somewhere? <laughs> Um, and our budget for this was $50. You can identify your own budget. But one thing I want to call out here with this, this kind of gets back to the whole discussion of habits because this is essentially a form of habit stacking. It was difficult for us when we were trying to just do the family meeting every week. Yeah. We weren't actually doing it on a date night. We were doing it on Sunday night after church. But a lot of Sunday yeah. nights we were just like, no, nah, I don't feel like it. <laughs> well, then you're, you're already gearing up for the week already, you know, yep, and, you yep. know, getting bags ready or getting um, work stuff ready. So wasn't yep. good. Night so that wasn't going to work. But we did have a pretty consistent date night every week. So we stacked the family meeting on top of the date night. The date night was the thing that was kind of more ingrained. That's like the anchor activity. And the family meeting was the behavior that we wanted to create like a new habit off of. So... In essence, what we did is we combined these things. And I want to use that as an example because if you view all these things in isolation, it sounds like a lot, but when there's a lot of overlap here. Yes. And if you view it that way, you have a much better chance of success. 
oh, hopefully we can go on a date night soon for real. (laughs) (laughs) But in the meantime, it's okay. We're all good. (laughs) Um, Another... Uh, Another activity, I guess you could call it, another habit, is having regular overnights. So basically that means mom and dad get a sleepover away from the kids. No. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. (laughs) So so basically it's it's really only 24 hours, but it's the best 24 hours. Like it's really effective. And a lot of times we'll rent, we'll we'll usually get a hotel room. Yep. Usually it's getting a, a hotel room and it doesn't have to be far away. Uh, we tend to go to, there's a, we, we both went to college at, at St. Norbert College in De Pere, and there's a hotel on the grounds kind of for the, the parents and other people that might come to visit the college. It's not a big college, it's 2,000 students or something, but we get an alumni discount. Yeah, so, so it's pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, it, you know, this is, I, I use this as an very specific example because this was something that we wanted to do, but we weren't going to be able to do unless we got a little bit creative with it. So I did some digging, some searching. And for us, we found that we could go stay at this place and and walk around the the town and the the grounds that we we really loved. And uh, we could do that. And it was very restful it was just the the right atmosphere for us and it was within our budget so don't just look at like well this hotel is x number of dollars and that one over there is is too expensive so i guess we can't do this there's always a way if there is a will you just gotta dig a little bit in order for it to happen sometimes yeah and i know you know some some of you may have family close by where they can watch the kids for you and take them to their place even so you could have an overnight alone in your own house. So there's a lot of ways to do it without having to go and rent a hotel room or Airbnb or something. Yep. So what we tried to do was uh, the first Tuesday of the month we would do this. So it'd be like Tuesday evening, like dinner time to the next day, like in the afternoon. So a lot of times actually it was less than 24 hours, but it was time well spent. So restful. Got to catch up on some sleep usually, which was really great. Um, but it was a way to just say, I prioritize you, my spouse, over my children. You know, because if you're not intentional about doing that, those little children, man, they just take over your life and <laughs> they demand your attention 24-7. Give them an inch. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so it's a way to sew into each other and have a strong marriage because we can't just have quick conversations and passing all the time and really build a relationship Mm -hmm. and we are determined to grow together each year of our marriage so that we don't grow apart when the kids are out of the house because the relationship started with the two of us so we we do tell each our kids that you know i say daddy's my favorite and he he says mommy's my favorite just to remind them that it's not all about you you're not number one here little darling (laughs) it's true (laughs) All right, the next one is thinking time for me. And we talked in the last episode too about how we try to do this on a consistent basis for you too. But it started off as a thing for me because of our family dynamics. And I don't naturally, based on my personality, I'm not the type of person who's like, we're going to do this. And everybody get behind me and I'm leading, you know, but do believe that that is my role to lead the family. So 
in order for me to do this well, I need to make sure that I have the plan right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really what this is all about. So it's not just about the family. I'm not going up there and thinking, okay, what is the family going to be doing for the next three months? But I do ask myself some questions. What should I start doing? What should I stop doing? What should I keep doing? I make myself every single time pick something to stop doing. A lot of this is work-related because how work affects me will also be translated or transmitted to my family. If I'm frustrated by a work project that I should have said no to, then everybody else feels the brunt of that. And that's not really fair. So I try to build a system where that doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) And that is uh, once a quarter, it's usually like just an overnight thing, roughly 24 hours. I'm fortunate in that we have a place up in Door County that I can go to for this, which is really quiet. And it's a perfect place to just sit and think. But I still recommend that everybody do this sort of thing, even if you've got to rent an Airbnb or something just for a for a night. You know, it's, it's time well spent. It's only once a quarter. And uh, every time I do this and come back, I have clarity on the vision going forward, what I'm supposed to be committed to. And there's motivation and excitement for everything that we're about to to embark on. So definitely a worthwhile investment. Got a whole course on my process for this, which yeah, I'll put a link to in the show notes. Personal retreat course. Yep. Um, another one, which has been really great, we call it a one-on-one with daddy. So our boys so far, Adelaide hasn't done it yet. She's just probably pretty soon though. She's almost three. Yep, pretty soon. But the boys take a turn. So a lot of times it's Fridays and they'll go out to like a coffee shop or something with dad and they'll get hot chocolate and dad will get coffee and they'll bring a board game or some sort of game and they'll spend an hour or so or even 45 minutes, whatever it ends up being, just the two of them. And it's really special that they really look forward to when it's their turn. And so um, when done right, basically once a month, they each get an hour out of the house alone with dad, which is really, really fun. Yet sometimes it's difficult to do. It's the kind of thing where I can easily say like, well, I've got too much to do today, but I've beaten that back enough times to know that there's always like really good stuff that comes out of it. And the goal of this is really just to have that platform and that space where as they do get older, they can talk to me about stuff. I mean, we're we're playing games right now. We're kind of like building the foundation, but as they get older, there is built into the schedule, you know, the opportunity for us to, to talk about some, some of the deeper stuff. Yeah. We have two that will just talk no matter what they're just talkers. And they're not really afraid to talk necessarily, but there's two that are... It's getting them to stop. That's the trick. (laughs) The other two are pretty introverted. So it's like you need to build that relationship with them to talk about things. And when you have a big family, we have five children, then there's one in particular that kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes because he's so quiet and he just will just, you know, go with the flow. He's pretty easygoing and, you know, that... For him in particular, this is really, really good. And the conversations have already grown. Initially, it was kind of like they're just quietly playing the game and he wasn't (laughs) saying much. But the more they did it, the more he started chatting and just opening up. And uh, I don't want to make this episode too long, but um, this has kind of had to change. A lot of this stuff has changed and evolved as we are in this pandemic. But I see... 
there are other opportunities to do stuff like this. So for example, I think we mentioned in an earlier episode, we got a group Christmas gift this year. We got a ping pong table and I will go play ping pong with the boys. And that's another opportunity for us to just have fun together right now. But in the future, we can talk about stuff. We got a basketball hoop in the backyard now. And I envision a lot of the games slash conversation happens out there in the future too. So you don't have to get away in the middle of a workday necessarily in order to make this happen. You can design this into uh, into your, your life however you see fit. But it's an important principle and there are multiple ways to do it. Yes. Um, some other things we have is field trips where we try to do one field trip a month. That doesn't always happen, but it's even something simple as like Children's Museum or the Train Museum near our house. Something yep. fun, but then educational as well. And then um, also like monthly family outings. So just something fun like going out for pizza or going to the library as a family, which I know some people are like, well, fun family outing. I don't know. Our kids really like the library. (laughs) (laughs) They like books. Yeah, they like books. Or occasionally going to a movie or just something fun as a family. It is not uncommon for us to have like 60 books out from the library (laughs) at a time. (laughs) It's true. And they look at most of them, read most of them. They do, yep. Yep. Another one we have that we like to try and do is, we call it a boys meeting. <laughs> and uh, I have a monthly ladies meeting on Fridays, Friday nights. And so they call that their boys meeting. Now it's boys plus Adelaide, yep. <laughs> now that she's older. But it's basically a special time for them to have with just daddy. And there was some times where Mike would take just the boys up to Door County, which is super fun just for a night. And which they, is from where we are a couple hours it's away. It's like two hours away. Yep. So it was, it's just, it was really fun for them the few times we did it. And then Adelaide and I would be home together, which was Sometimes also very sweet. Grandpa would come with us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who knows what they all did? <laughs> what happens at the boys' meeting stays at the boys' meeting. Sorry. Okay. It's fine. I don't <laughs> think I want to know. <laughs> Um, another regular thing we like to do is have coffee with friends. So hopefully that will happen again soon. Yeah. Now this this one, this is interesting to me because this was on the original list we made because we wanted to develop relationships. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either of us did super great with this. I know you were doing the stuff where you were going to Fireside. But this has actually evolved where we started the, the kibitz. Yeah. Kibbutz. Sorry. I always pronounce that wrong, <laughs> which was like a monthly get together with a couple other couples and picking like a, it's not just a, let's get together, share and a small meal. Talk. Yeah. yeah. It's intentionally picking something to talk about, intentional conversation. And uh, we did it once before the, the pandemic hit, <laughs> but we uh, we're all in with that idea. This is my year of rest and relationships were my, my two words. And as for an introvert, the relationships part is kind of scary sometimes, (laughs) but we bought new furniture for our living room so we could facilitate this and it's, it's going to happen again. But I just thought that was interesting. Wanted to call it out here. I'm not sure you ever made that connection, but like we had this on the radar a while back. We had this system that didn't really work. And then we tried something else, which was working, you know, now we'll get back to it. And you know, we keep coming back to this too, that, Uh, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. So always being aware and ready to reevaluate and to change it up. You know, why not try something? What's the worst that's going to happen? You fail? Okay, well, let's try something else. That didn't work. 
keep going. You know, that's yep. the nature of life. Exactly. And you touched on um, our first uh, our first family core value being, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we did mention that we I do bring the kids out um, to church just during office hours during the week, like once a week usually. What that does is it cultivates a relationship between our children and like the church staff, and sometimes they get to interact with our pastors and things like that. So that's been really neat because those are, those are the type of people that we want to have a strong relationship and influence on our children. Yeah, this I think is very important, and it doesn't happen right now, unfortunately. It will happen again at some point in the near future, hopefully. But what this does is it shows that we are not one way when we are at church and another way when we are at home because we're not just at church when we have to be. We're there and we're showing honor to our leaders by going just to be around them at a separate time in the week. And I think that that speaks very loudly to our kids and they've caught that. Yeah, it's a part of our our lifestyle. It's a part of who we are. It's not uh, a religious activity that we kind of squeeze in. It's just a part of a part of us. And there's a lot. Sometimes we're serving. Sometimes we're helping. But a lot, of, a lot of times we're just sitting and having conversation and playing and having a lot of fun. Eating pizza for lunch. <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Next one is to go to the gym every day. And this, the why here is to make sure that that you and I individually have time to ourselves and when we take care of our physical and mental well-being. Now, I should explain the gym that we belong to, which at the moment is still closed. They have as part of the family membership built into the cost childcare for up to two hours per day. So what that allows you to do is drop the kids off and it's not... I want to be nice, but it's uh, several steps above some of the other gym child cares that I've seen. I'll just put it that way. I feel comfortable leaving my five children yeah, in yeah. this drop-in. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, that was that was something that as we were thinking through this, we were like, we need to take advantage of this because you feel overwhelmed sometimes during the day. Well, you have basically two hours per day where we're already paying. It's not free, but you're already paying for the babysitting. So why not take advantage of that? And even if you work out for 30 minutes and then just sit upstairs for the next hour and a half, you know, at least you have some time to yourself and, and that's that's worthwhile. For me, I do this not so much for the mental side of it, but for the physical side of it. Uh, I feel now if I don't work out, I feel weird, icky, blah, like... Wonky. Yeah, something <laughs> is off. And uh, I don't know, I, I just... My physical health, I know, is kind of the key to everything that I have to do mentally and creatively. If I don't exercise, then it's hard for me to sit down and to write or to create something. So those things are tied together for me, and it kind of like primes the pump for everything else that I do. So, Yeah, I definitely feel better when I'm active and when I'm doing workouts and stuff and I'm more socially driven. So for me, not being able to go to the gym the last two and a half months has been pretty hard because I'm not naturally motivated to work out on my own. It's really a social thing for me. That's what motivates me. So classes are great. So that's really hard at home. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because you go and you do the classes. And, and I work really hard for an hour straight. <laughs> yeah, and you know everybody at that gym, even though you go far less than I do. And I really I only know, go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I, I know I know nobody, though. <laughs> <laughs> you just go in, do your thing, and get out. They're talking uh-huh. about, we're going to open up the gym, but you have to practice social distancing. And I'm like, I practice social distancing anyways. <laughs> I just go in and I don't talk to anybody. I got that doubt. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Uh, another thing we have on here is meet up with ho- other homeschoolers. Now, this was also created before we joined Classical Conversations the last school year. So now it's easy because every Tuesday during the school year, we're with how many other families? There's, I mean, there's 45 children just in the elementary age. So we naturally see a bunch of other homeschool families that we're friends with every yep. Tuesday. So in the summertime, we're already planning on, you know, playdates and things and meetups. So this has been built in very easily. But this is also interesting because we identified the need for this. Yes. And we tried a bunch of different yes. things and it didn't really work. Then classical conversations appeared and it made it easy to say, yeah, we'll try this. Yeah. Because we definitely. had already identified the core values. We had we already identified, <laughs> yeah, we had already identified the things that we were going to do. And so we saw the connection and we're like, yeah, this could potentially meet this specific need. And it has, it's been exactly what we, what we needed. Yes. So we tried some things that didn't quite click. But then eventually we found the thing. And so again, this stuff changes and evolves and that's okay. Yeah, but having a starting point is really important yep. <laughs> so they can build and grow on something. Yep. Um, so another thing we have is dinner with friends and we would try and do like a double date once a month. I know we did that for like a year and a half. So that mm-hmm. was really neat. And we do it occasionally, but it's not necessarily a every month thing. So Because like we said, that's evolved into the kibitz, which we hope to reestablish here soon. It's not just the kibbutz, though. Like, I remember when we did the life and air stuff, which maybe there's a whole episode (laughs) in that. But one of the things that we identified from that exercise was we wanted to be able to spend time with people and make them feel like a million bucks, even if we don't have a million bucks. Yeah. So, So the dinner with friends typically was we would invite somebody out to dinner and we would pay for everything. And people would really appreciate that like you could see it in their their faces that that really was impactful so this is again something that we want to get back into and we originally had put this on like friday or saturday nights i think most of the time that we did this uh before not going out to eat anymore <laughs> was on it was on a tuesday night so yeah. it was a, a version or slight modification to our regular date night but again the fact that we had the regular date night that allowed this thing to be successful. Yeah, so it wasn't on a whole separate night, and you're like, oh my gosh, you have two different nights that you're out of the house without the kids? No. Didn't work. <laughs> that doesn't happen. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, but sometimes it's having a family over, too. You know, it's not just yep. um, without children, you know, because we want our house to be a place where people can come and to rest and feel at home, and we want to be hospitable in that way. So those are just a lot of the... Uh, the things that we do on a regular basis that help us to establish the family core values as a part of our DNA. And we hope to go in more detail on the family meeting itself in the future, possibly the next episode, you think? Sounds good to me. I think that'd be appropriate because basically it's a way of checking in 
and uh, fine-tuning everything, which is very important. Yep, there's a couple of key elements to that, which we'll get into. Big one being gratitude. We'll explain yes. why yes. that's so important. Yeah, so hopefully this gave you a lot more insight into creating your own family core values. And then further than that, creating habits that you can ha- establish as a family to do regularly to get you where you want to be. And until next time, join us in living life intentionally. You can find us at intentionalfamily.fm.